You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the final part of the show, we get a view from Japan from William Pesek, Tokyo-based journalist and author. Good morning, William. Good morning. Um, So the yen looks like it's heading towards 150, and the Bank of Japan seems quite content to do nothing about it. Is there a point where the yen will become too weak and they might actually start intervening? First of all, I think we're referring to it as the Japanese peso these days, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, you know, I um, recently was in the U.S. Uh, about two weeks ago, and I'm just starting to get my credit card bills, and it's um, it's painful, so it's personal. Yeah, I think that the, the yen is rapidly approaching 150 to the dollar, which is a very psychologically important level. And I think when, Japan, when the yen breaks above 150, um, I think consistently – you will see more chatter about the the Bank of Japan intervening in some ways, and I think you will see some actual intervention. But there is a lot of concern that the yen is probably heading maybe even to 160, because in some ways it's not just the Bank of Japan and and Japanese economy we're talking about, but also the U.S. The Federal Reserve is not done tightening for the most part. And when you look at interest rate differentials, the dollar just keeps on rising. The more people worry about the dollar and its stability, the more it rises. And so, you know, in some ways, the, the Bank of Japan's decisions right now are being made as much in Washington or as, as, it's, as they're being made in Tokyo. But you've got the Bank of Japan that keeps holding its rate steady, yet they probably do have room to raise their rates a bit. So why, why are they so reluctant to do that? Well, I think what's happened is, and I, I'm one of those people who earlier in the year was quite optimistic that the new governor, Ueda, would come in and begin to telegraph a different policy and begin tapering. We haven't seen that. And I think the problem is that after 23, 24 years of quantitative easing, Japan really is just addicted to free money, to zero interest rates. And I think in many ways, it's going to take some time to wean the political and the economic system off of QE. And I think that when you've seen the BOJ in the last six months, take some very, very small tweaks, so take some very, very small steps to suggest that an exit might be near. Global markets just basically quake in the end, skyrockets, and the BOJ finds itself stepping back and saying, whoa, 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 no change. And so I think the BOJ is in this very uncomfortable dance with markets and with the Japanese establishment, which probably is not as ready for tapering or rate cuts as we think. But yet you've got inflation at, say, 3%. And don't the public start feeling the inflation effects and the fact that they're getting nothing in their bank to cover I mean, that is the that is the catch-22. And you're right. I mean, basically, prices here are rising, and people are complaining about the fact that, you know, you see it in everyday prices here, everything from, you know, the cost of coffee going higher to transportation going higher. Um, and in many ways, people are griping about food prices. The problem that Japan's having is... The inflation it's getting is the bad kind. It's imported uh, by, you know, elevated energy and food prices overseas on an undervalued currency. And so it is creating problems and it is creating a real, very difficult uh, list of decisions for the Bank of Japan. So it probably should be tapering to indicate that we're on top of this. But it's so far refused to. So there's this kind of staring match with inflation and Japan uh, sticking with uh, continuity, if you will. Well, I mean, if you start uh, trying to strengthen the end, then you don't get that imported inflation. So doesn't it all become one cycle and kind of help in the overall picture there? 
Well, it does help, but I think one of the things that the BOJ is worried about is that the Nikkei stock average recently rose at 30-year highs. And no Bank of Japan governor, like no CEO of a, of a major Japanese company, wants to be blamed for messing things up. And if basically the, the BOJ begins tapering and the Nikkei falls 10, 20 percent, people begin worrying about the stability of the Japanese economy. And then the, the, politi- the political sector here looks at the BOJ and says, hey, what are you doing? And so I think in many ways, if you're a fairly new BOJ governor, you're still trying to get the lay of the land and figure out where the, the, the boundaries lie. But I think the BOJ at the moment is just really worried about, in, in some ways, spooking global markets. And so there you have it. And is the Chinese economy slowdown having any effect on Japan itself? Or is Japan kind of trading on its own there? It is, because, I mean, China is by far Japan's largest trading partner. And when you listen to what the BOJ has been saying recently, Governor Oweda including, they're talking about how Japan's, uh, China's economy and China's slowdown is factoring into decisions here in Tokyo. I think there is some optimism here in Japan that as China experiences a bit of deflation, it will export some of it, and that Japan will you know, see its inflation rates capped, that, that will make Japanese inflation transitory. It's a bargain, it's a bet that the BOJ is making, and we'll see if, if it works out for them. Okay, interesting, because um, I heard that the PM was also looking to create some English-only special ent- ent- enterprise zones. Um, how is that going to work? And didn't that happen about 300 years ago with cities like Kobe that became the international city and only had, it could allow internationals to live there? So are we going back 200 years now? Yeah, I mean, city, you know, cities like Hiroshima, cities like Fukuoka back in the day, these were, you know, uh, Nagasaki, these were considered the international cities as well. I think that what Prime Minister Kashida is doing is interesting if he were doing it in the year 2003, I think 20 years ago. This would have been a smart thing to do. But in many ways, we have a situation where, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, they're coming into their own partly because of the English proficiency, the ability for hedge fund managers to just move there and go to work the next day, whereas here in Japan, we're beginning to talk about something we should have done 20 years ago, which will take five or 10 years to implement. So it's a great idea. It's just sort of, uh, it's, a, it's a bit tardy at this point. And the other question is, what else do you got? What else do you have to make, to basically remind the world that Tokyo should be Asia's financial center? And I don't, see we're, I don't think we're seeing a lot of that from the, the Japanese government right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Lost in Translation came out for a reason. It's going to change Japan in a big way if they suddenly decide that they're going to you know, be welcoming foreigners. <laughs> well, you know, we are the 20-year 20 20 year anniversary of that movie. There's been some stories in the media recently about you know, where Japan is 20 years on. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. Again, like, it, 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 it's a good thing to do. I think Prime Minister Kishida's heart is in the right place. But, again, these are things Japan should have been doing 10, 20 years ago. It's great we're finally getting around to it. But um, I think that Japan always thinks that there's a lot of we have a lot of time on our side, and we can just uh, plot along and and act uh, over time at our own pace. But Asia is uh, is moving at a rapid pace, and China is is speeding up the clock in many ways. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Um, but it was great. It was a great chat. So thank you very much for coming in. That was William Pesek, Tokyo-based journalist and author. Thanks.